Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thank you so much again for joining me this week. My motivational quote for today is by General Douglas MacArthur, and it says, A general is just as good or just as bad as the troops under his command make him. Who of us is a good leader or a strong leader? Are we leaders due to just our title? Is it because we make our production goals quarterly? Or perhaps we speak so loud people are forced to listen to us. What does leadership even mean and how can we get some of that? So what are the key attributes to becoming that influential person who commands attention and respect as soon as they walk into the room? In addition, are leaders able to develop high-performing teams or do high-performing teams create the leader? So the chicken or the egg, right, which came first. Today, my guest, Cheryl Ellis, is an awesome business leader, CEO of Ellis Business Enterprise, and is the author of Becoming Deliberate, Changing the Game of Leadership from the Inside Out. Great read, by the way. And Cheryl is going to help us understand what is needed to be an influential leader and what habits are necessary to be a successful leader. We will discuss how to put together high-performing teams and why effective teams are so important to us as leaders and to our organization. Settle in and you explore if you have the right stuff to be a high-performing leader who can create their dream team. So please help me welcome Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, Connie. It's so great to be back here with you. And I apologize if you could hear the sirens, um, you know, in the background. Um, they go under my window, so sometimes they're, you know, they can be pretty loud. So, Is it funny? I, did you hear I hesitated during the intro? I, because I did. Yeah. <laughs> I thought someone was whistling. And I go, oh, my God, someone I think is whistling in the background. <laughs> I know we barricade. No. When we when we do these shows, right, we barricade ourselves in our offices, and then a siren goes by. So it, it or the right. landscaper comes onto your window. How funny is that? So yes, thank you for explaining that. I really did think someone was was whistling, and I'm picturing just for those of you who could go and look on your website at your picture. But I can see you waving at them like, "Oh my God, please stop that!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, no stress, no stress in our lives, right? So, yes, for for those of you, I'm glad you said that, for those of the folks that um, maybe didn't tune in to our last show, it was a couple of months ago when your book first came out, and uh, Becoming Deliberate, Changing the Game of Leadership from the Inside Out. I love that title. Read the book. Awesome book. Um, But in case they don't remember, um, we talked about that hope isn't a really good strategy in that one and how we really do create our own change and you know, create leadership. So I want to follow up from that conversation and the book's been out now for several months. So I guess my first question is how is it going as a, as a new author in the marketplace? You know, it's really been such an exciting time for me. I, um, you know, people say this about writing a book that you never really know what impact it's going to have until it's really out there. And, and that impact is on, you know, not just your readers, but on, but on the author as well. And especially, I think that's so true with a first book. And this is my first book, of course, but it won't be my last. Um, So it's going well. I mean, I haven't really officially 
quote, launched the book, and what I mean by that is created a big promotion around it in a, in a big way because I'm trying to put some other things in place sure. and uh, before I do that. But the, the, the sales have been steady. The feedback has been great. And it's just, it's just so gratifying to know that you kind of put yourself out there, you take that kind of a risk, and then have people come back and say, you know what, I really enjoyed it. I really got something out of it. Here's what I got out of it specifically. And, um, you know, it just, it just feels really, um, really good to know that you're, you're kind of helping people in a way that's yeah. new and different for you. So I'm really yeah. excited about that. Yeah. And, and in our last conversation, you and I, similar ages, I think, I think you might be a little younger than me, but we're similar ages, you know, um, and for us, part of giving back and sharing, you know, all of these little nuggets of information or little treasures that we have in our brain <laughs> that we've experienced, you know, through our careers, we really do want to give back and we really do want to help the emerging leaders out there so that they don't make silly mistakes and help their careers propel forward and what has it taken all of that. So I do have another question. What's the, you said there was feedback, you know, they, you know, good feedback so far, et cetera. What are some of, can you give us some really feedback that you were like, wow, and the age group of the folks that are kind of coming back to you and say it helped me or this was, um, you know, a big moment for me or the aha moment for me, what was, what did some of that look like? Well, let me answer the age group because that's, that's been kind of an interesting question. Um, you know, I think the age group is um, pretty broad. And I, I have, um, you know, a number of my you know, colleagues in business that have ordered the book because they know me and then they've read the book and given me some feedback on it. And then a, a number of them have said to me, you know, Cheryl, I just think that this book could be really beneficial for young people. So have you thought about marketing it to, you know, colleges and universities and high, even high school students because there's so many good life lessons in here. And and the other thing they, they said to me is, you know, I really wish my um, my children, who are girls, who are w young women, would would read this and understand um, the struggles that you know went before them. Because I think they take so much for granted today that they have certain, um, you know, they have certain opportunities that just seem wide open. And you know, I'm so glad of that. But she says, you know, I just feel like they should know that there are a lot of people you know, in advance of them really struggling to make that the case. And so yeah. I thought that was an interesting, that was kind of a wow moment when she said that. So, yeah, I really hadn't thought about um, essentially marketing the book to younger people, but I can see where it would be helpful to someone just starting out to kind of do things the right way instead of making all the mistakes I made. <laughs> Sure, yeah. And you know what's so funny? I remember I was in college, and I don't remember what class. I, I believe it was one of my business classes, and they asked us to write, you know how they kind of commingle writing assignments with the business classes as well. And it was something about go find like a public figure or a leader in the marketplace and read the book and come back and what are the business pieces that you've learned from this per whoever the person was, right? So I went back and I did research and I happened to find, and I was, you know, 18, 19, happened to find Zig Ziglar. Anybody that knows Zig Ziglar, I mean, he's mm -hmm. passed away now, which I think is a tragic loss to our world. But what a tremendous business man, leader, uh, motivational speaker, 
just brilliant mind, okay? So I read his book, and so I think this is what this mom is saying, too, to some extent. It changed my life. I was a teenager. I was an idiot. What did I know? Right, I'm in college. And everything he wrote in that book, I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. I can do that. I got to learn how to do that. So you, you, you're whatever those moments are. So I think that her recommendation to almost market to that is probably brilliant. Yeah, I, I think it probably is too. And, and, you know, since then I've had, um, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of speaking. You know, people have invited me in to speak about the book or speak about my experience writing the book. Or, you know, last time you and I talked about my five C's keynote speech, and I've been asked to give that a number of times. And, you know, whenever I do that, for some reason, a lot of those um, opportunities have been at colleges and universities locally here in New Jersey. And what's interesting is... uh, usually it has to do with the alumni association or some other group of people working in, in the university, supporting, you know, supporting the running of the university, if you will. So kind of staff, staff and alumni. And, and invariably someone will come up to me afterwards and say, you know, maybe they teach class there or something. And they say, you know, I really like to get you in front of my students because I think this is a good message. So that's been a little bit of a surprise, surprise. coming out of yeah. everything. And yeah. then, the other surprise, and it was, it was actually a, a pleasant surprise, was the only criticism I've gotten back about the book so far, and that was I was speaking to a group of women, women in business at my local chamber of commerce that I'm pretty actively involved in, and a number, they asked me to come in and talk about the book, and, and really I talked about the benefits of writing a book because I was encouraging people, and I do encourage people, if you ever think you have a book in you, by all means, go for it because it's such a rewarding experience on so many levels and it, and it gives back to you in ways that you can't even anticipate when you start out. So I was encouraging people in the room to think about writing a book and there were a number of people who were interested in that. So I was talking about the benefits of writing a book. And, and quite a few women in the room, because they know me, have, had ordered the book and some of them had read it and some of them were reading it. And so there was a good discussion about what they were getting out of it. But one person came up to me afterwards and she said, you know, I didn't want to say this in front of the whole group, but I, I do have, you know, what, just one thing that I really wish was in this book. And I said, oh, what's that? She goes, you need space to write down notes because oh. there's, there's so much of value in here and you have these exercises and activities to do. I need a pl- I've written all over my book and I need a place to write it. So would you please do, would you please create a companion workbook to go with this book and then and then would you please um, set up a workshop so that you can take people through the workbook and through the book so that they can do the activities together with you and get get the advantage of your you know your feedback and your take on all this stuff so I thought wow that's a that's a really big opportunity that um, yeah I hadn't really you know maybe it was in the back of my mind a little bit but I hadn't really thought about uh, taking those next steps. So I'm in the process now, kind of, you'll be happy to know of um, writing the workbook and creating the workshop that will support the book. And I think give it, um, you know, even more life and certainly more value for people who are, um, who are interested in leadership and especially doing what I call the tough, but critical inside work of leadership, because that's really what it takes after all. Yeah. 
I'm cracking up because you know I'm in the throes of writing my first book. So, yes, I agree with you. Wow, you learn a lot about procrastination when you're not comfortable <laughs> writing, yeah, which I'm not by nature. I'm not a big procrastinator, and the writing has been a challenge. So, yeah, you, it's an interesting experience. But anyway, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm over halfway done, so I'm really happy about that. I really put the time in now. I've committed to a schedule, all those things. And I have a young lady who's editing with me, you know, as I'm writing the book. And, of course, she shares her idea. And she's a young lady, true millennial. And she said to me after the first chapter, you know, you need to do a workbook with this. Now, isn't that funny? From the mouths of babes. And I, again, excuse me, the mouths of babes. But I I giggled. And I said, you think? And she said, oh, my God, you have so much information. And you have all of these exercises. I want a workbook so that you can guide me through what that, you know, template would look like of how you want me to outline it. So I, I thought, I never thought about that. I thought people would just get a piece of paper and write, you know, write stuff down. So isn't that interesting? I'm so glad she recommended that because I do think it's a brilliant idea. And now you've just given me um, another idea, the workshop. Are you going to do a video of the workshop so that that will support the book? Or do they want you to go and fly? Because that could become, how do you, how do you be everywhere? In, in, um, in all likelihood, as I'm developing this, it will be a virtual workshop. So yeah. it will either be some type of an online experience. Um, you yeah. know, what I'm currently thinking is like um, something like a four-week or five-week, um, you know, session once a week. And, uh, you know, just giving people an opportunity in between to do some of the activities and then come back and talk about them and go to the next step. So that's my current thinking. And I'll... And I'll use some type of a platform like Zoom US yeah. or Hangouts or something. And then, um, you know, possibly record it as well so that it could be available to people um, who can't make the, you know, the timing of the workshop. I haven't figured all that out yet, but it will, yeah. it will Brilliant. in all likelihood be, be virtual. Yeah. Just because That's of right. my travel schedule and everything That's... else I'm trying to get done these days, for me yeah. to commit to being, you know, a place for four or five weeks in a row uh, is just really hard. So sure, because you're still running your business as well. This is this is a, this is a secondary kind of um, endeavor. And you know, yeah. it's, I'm also laughing that you know I've done online classes. I've taught online classes for uh, Center for Financial Training, a couple of other organizations. That you know, you're kind of the instructor, but because people can't go to a specific location or whatever. So many, you know, early on in my, my um, business, when I opened my business, I would do online classes. And I'm giggling because it's kind of like what you're saying, again, a pseudo-online class. But at this point in our life, I find that everything I do is teaching in some way as well. So it's interesting that the book, now a workbook, but you think workbook, you think school, right, a companion book, and then the virtual online, whatever that's going to look like. We're always teaching when we bring these topics to the marketplace or to our industries. Um, it is about teaching. So I just love that aspect because I do think also at this point, the young kids might not agree with this, Cheryl, but at this point in our careers, we do have so much knowledge and life experience and failures that we've, you know, kind of messed up, shouldn't have done that, should have done this, that if we can help them fast forward. So I love the mom's feedback to you about her daughters, and I love this companion and virtual. So I, I think that's 
brilliant all the way around. And it all comes from sitting down to say, I have something to say. I want to teach people. Let me write this book. And now you have this whole auxiliary thing going on. Awesome. To me, that's awesome. And that's a success. Whether it makes you a million dollars or not, that's not what it's about. That what you have done, you've created success. So I just, I love that. That's just a great, um, I'm so proud of you. I'm so pleased for you. That's awesome. Let's well, take, um, let's, yeah, yeah, I'm really, I'm excited about it too. Uh, you know, yeah. and I, and I'm really looking forward to having, having that next phase out and uh, being able to support more people on their, on their learning of, um, you know, I just had to be a more effective leader because I just think it's so important. And it's, it's important because we affect other people. And that this is one of those things in life that I always say, just pull the trigger, do it, change, whatever that is for you, that when you do it, you're usually pleasantly surprised about the bigger stuff that comes from that initial and that you just, that story was exactly that. I'm going to write a book. I have something to say. This is the next thing to challenge me, my, in my professional career, all those things, whatever your reasons were. And now you have this whole secondary thing based on feedback and how people are resonating with it. Holy crap. This is why we do what we do. And um, that's change. That to me is, is successful change. So just well done. Kudos. Kudos, sister. <laughs> let's take uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I do want to talk about titles and leadership and being an influence influential leader and what those habits look like, and also um, how to build our build our high performing teams to make us even more successful as leaders. So let's take a break, and then we'll talk about that. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back with Cheryl Ellis, and we are talking about how to become a uh, key leader or successful leader in the marketplace, and also we're going to discuss how to build performing teams. So first, when, you, when we say leadership, um, the title really has nothing to do with it. So what is the mindset of an influential leader? Give some examples. Well, for me, um, you know, it really doesn't have anything at all to do with your position or your title or how many people are reporting to you or what your credentials are. Mm-hmm. It really has to do with your ability to connect with other people and your ability to influence them. And I often say, and I'm not sure where I first heard this, but influence is the currency of leadership because it's really it's really what you are trying to accomplish is influencing other people to do to do things that are important. So uh, that's the way I think about it. And what happens is when those, those um, the habits are, are habits of thought or their ha- their mindsets, you know, that, that um, influential leaders have. So, for example, I think about um, one of the ways to have influence 
um, with others and um, over others, if you will, is to first of all have a success mindset. So, and what that means is you you think in terms of success. You know, you're focused on success. Even failures are just stepping stones to success. They're part of the learning Absolutely. process. So, totally, that's one of the that's one of the key ones. You know, is you, you think in terms of success. Another mindset of a of an influential leader is is um, the ability to think both strategically and tactically. So you can really see you know see and set the vision, but you also know how to what, you know what how to take steps toward that vision on a day to day basis or you know week to week basis or um, you know just more tactically than strategically. Uh, I, th- I think another thing that effective leaders do is they have frameworks. They have a framework in which to operate. So um, I, I use a lot of frameworks, and I think it's one of the things that people like about my book. I mean, even the even talking about the thought habits of successful leaders is a framework because it, it, it gives you a way to think about leadership and a way to go about improving your leadership and becoming more effective. I also think that great leaders think in terms of outcomes. So they're focused on the result. What's the end game? What do I ultimately want to have happen? And and if I can see that outcome, that allows me to stay on track when things get, you know, when things go awry, you know, it allows me to get back on track because I focus again on the outcome. And then I think, I think the best leaders have um, people that they learn from. They have coaches, they have mentors, they have, teachers, they're always in a learning mode of some kind, but they also see the value of having, you know, people on the outside that can really help them get better. And I know for me, I'm, I've, I've been a lifelong learner. I know you have too, Connie. And I think absolutely one of the things is that I'm always reading. I always have three or four books going. I have, I'm always um, attending, you know, workshops and conferences, whether they're online or in person, just to get better at what I do, get more information, get other people's perspectives. And I'm always working with, with a co- at least one coach and, you know, possibly more, often more, um, just to improve in certain areas where I need improvement. So I invest a lot in my leadership development. It's not, doesn't just happen. You know, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing, uh, ongoing, you know, challenge. And I think you have to really schedule time for that stuff, you know, schedule yeah. time to think. Schedule yeah. time to study. Schedule time to learn. Yeah, because it doesn't happen yeah. otherwise. It and and it, it is. It's about it is about scheduling because there's so much we have to do in a day, and some people may be listening and saying, "Well, that's all great. I don't have time to go to seminars. I don't have time." And you know what? You do have time to sit and read a book. You know, take an hour at night instead of watching TV, read a book. Or you know what? I like to sleep as late as possible in the morning too because you're going to bed late. You're exhausted. I get it. But maybe get up that 15 minutes early. I start every morning by reading something. And when I say that, it could be 10 or 15 minutes, just to get my mind in the right framework for the day of thinking success that again the thoughts of success whatever so I read some type of positive something whatever that is and I'm laughing my husband and I went to a seminar it was a topic that he's interested in with um, real estate investing not my gig I love what I do and I'm not I'm not giving that up he's really interested and anyway a card came through and you know I, I said I, I think you should sign up and when he when he signed up it was a three-day event and it was from nine to seven Friday Saturday and Sunday 
And I have wow. I have a junior home. Yeah, and I have a junior home who plays hockey. And of course, this weekend he had three games. So coordinating the ride and the whole thing, it was such a valuable three day seminar that not only did it help us think outside the box, challenge our comfort zone of how we think about real estate and other things. So yes, my husband's gig, but I can't tell you the value I walked away with. So again, it's not even just studying stuff in your in your um, industry. It's even looking beyond that to challenge and see how other people are thinking and how maybe what you think isn't always right. So, you know, you can find the time when you want to and you schedule it and you coordinate it and you make it happen. So I agree. Thought and that outcome of whatever that success is that for me, I always say it's clarity. The clearer I can see where I want to go, the steps aren't always clear, but the clearer I can see that outcome of where I want to end up, the steps present themselves inevitably, and the, the education comes to you, the book comes to you, whatever it is that you need to do. So I think clarity of your own thoughts by sitting quietly is huge, and, and we don't do that. We don't self-assess. We don't take the time to think, and, I, and that is a little frightening in our society. So great, just great recommendations. I want to shift a little bit. So besides the leadership whole piece, right, and and doing your workshops and and all of that stuff, when we talk about the focus on creating cohesive high performing team, how do you how do you define first what a high performing team is? Well, that's um, that's a great that's a great question. To me, a high performing team is one that's able to get results. Mm-hmm. I know that seems like a pretty simple definition, but under that are, is a whole series of things that has to happen to get those results. So it all starts with trust. And, you know, building trust is such a critical aspect of building a team and having a team that can get results because nothing else happens until people trust each other. Yep. And and I'm not talking about the kind of trust that says, well, Connie, if I say this to you, I know that here's what you're going to do. I'm talking about the kind of trust that allows you to be vulnerable with each other. And that's the kind of trust that allows you to raise your hand and say, you know what, I need help. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I made a mistake. Can somebody help me out here? Or I don't know how to do this. It's that kind of trust. It's that vulnerable aspect of trust that says, you know, I can rely on other members of the team. And, you know, that's a really big thing, especially, you know, when I think about my own experience in corporate, in large corporate, um, you know, that kind of trust was very rare. You know, you, you, you never wanted to let people see that you didn't know what you were doing. Or it was a sign you, of weakness. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and actually it's the opposite. You know, it's a sign of strength when you're able to raise your hand and say, you know what, I don't know, I need some help here. So that it, it all starts, to me, it all starts with that level of trust at the very foundation of building a team. And once you have that, you know, you can move into other areas. I mean, when you have trust, you can have conflict. You can have healthy conflict. You can have the kind of conflict that brings you to a better, uh, to a better result, to a better answer, because people are challenging each other uh, in a way that's healthy. Not, they're not attacking the person. They're attacking the idea or they're building on it or they're offering a different perspective. And, again, if you don't have that level of trust where somebody's attacking your idea, you feel personally attacked. But when you know that, you know, your team, your team member is trying to make your idea even 
better and more effective for the whole team, for the organization, you can have that kind of conflict and just, you know, walk away as friends afterwards because you trust each other. You know, you and have... it's all and it's it's all coming from a good place, not a punitive or gotcha place. It's hey, we can we can even make it like two heads are better than one kind of concept, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. that we 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 can even make it better. And it's funny because you know I'm sure you've seen this as well. I have belonged to organizations. I work for organizations currently that profess that they're trying to build a team, and yet when you go in and you see the team, the nucleus of these different teams throughout an organization. They, they're not. <laughs> they say yeah. they are, but they're not acting that way because you and I are on a team. I know something. I go, well, I'm not going to tell her because I want to look better than her. And you know what? Then I'll get the promotion and, um, you know, I'll be, the, I'll be the golden child. This is the mentality, which is just crazy because yeah. – and I, I think that's the important thing for a leader. If you could create a team that could be such a dynamic, fluid, committed movement that this team creates tremendous results, people are going to come back and say, what are you guys doing? We want to duplicate your system. We want to put that in place over here. So everybody looks like a superstar. It's not just one person because really the one person you look like, well, why didn't you share that with your team? Oh, because I want to keep it to myself because I'm better than you. That's ignorant. It's really very short-sighted um, as well. well it's, very, it's, it's very unfortunate. And, and you know, and what's also unfortunate is that a lot of times um, organizations and leaders feel that they can do a, quote, team-building event, and now they have yeah. a team. And, and yeah. the reality is you, you have to work at this all day, every day, um, in order to, to really make it work the way it's supposed to. And it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of time. And a lot of, you know, and, and very often uh, in organizations or um you know, in in any kind of an organization, even in a family, you know, people just aren't willing to make that that level of commitment to really concentrate on these things and, and develop this this kind of trust, the ability to have this kind of conflict, and and also along with that, the ability to to really be committed to uh, what you know what is best for the organization instead of what's best for me personally, and that's yeah, you know, that's hard. It, it's it's hard work. I mean, I had the good fortune to both be on a team like that and and lead a team like that and and it's um it's amazing what you can accomplish in how short a period of time when you have a team that works yeah and it's it's your life becomes so easy because it's very efficient and we yeah it just becomes more efficient we literally have just a minute or so left but i do can you give some key quick tips on how leaders who are thinking, no, no, I believe in high-performing teams, I believe in the trust, I believe in developing this and taking the time. What are some key things that, that leaders can do to build their high-performing team, little steps? Well, I think the first thing is always um, an assessment of some kind. You have to, you have to start with where, where are we, you know, where, you know, where are we currently and, and then have an understanding of where we want to go. We may not know the ultimate destination, but we have to have a direction of, you know, how we want to improve and what kind of results we want to get. And so when you have clarity on those things, like here I am, here's where I want to go, you know, the path becomes a little bit clearer. So the assessment up front is really, really critical. The other thing that's critical for the leader, I believe, is 
just making the commitment, you know, stating it, putting a stake in the ground, saying, you know what, we haven't operated so well as a team, but I want that to change and I need your help and, you know, we're going to move forward together and we're not going to, we're going to make some mistakes along the way, but we're, we're going to be committed to this path. And yeah. I think when you have that level of commitment from the top, it's easier for other people to kind of fall in line with it. If that level of commitment doesn't exist at the top, it's not going to exist anywhere else in the organization. So those are a few things that I think to start with that are really, really critical. Uh, yeah, assess where do we want to go. The path becomes clear, and the leader really has to be the one driving the train. And, you know, this, my intro was, does the leader create the high-performing team? Does the high-performing team create the leader? And it really is the leader that creates the high-performing team. So, you know, you have to be the one to put the stake in the ground. You have to be the one to put the time aside, the commitment aside, the coaching um, that goes into that. You have to coach your people as well. That's another whole topic, right? Um, committing yeah. to coaching our team and helping them grow, whatever it is that we need them to do or they want to do in their career. So um, leadership is such a key component. And, you know, I know, Cheryl, you and, and myself through our, you know, 30 years or whatever careers, uh, we've had really good leaders and we've had really bad leaders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I look back, I think I had really bad leaders more than the really good leaders. So you, you learn from, but here's the thing. The good news is you learned from them as well of who you don't want to be or who you do want to be. So, um, you know, and here's the thing, guys, and I love that you're going to do that companion workbook. So for those of you, please go buy Cheryl's book. It really was phenomenal tool, I think, for anybody that is trying to improve their leadership skills. And since the workbook isn't out yet, do we have a, a time frame of the workbook? I'm curious. Do you know yet or you're still really in the throes? You know, I don't really want to commit to a time frame, but yeah, I, I don't blame love, you. Um, you know, I would love to have people just be, you know, become part of my community so that when it, when it is out, um, the, you know, my community of the people that kind of follow me and, and work with me are, you know, always the first to know. Mm-hmm. So um, I would encourage people, I mean, they could go to my website and sign up for a free gift there and then they're automatically enrolled as, as part of the community of people that I communicate with on a regular basis to say, you know, here's what I'm working on. Here's what's up next when it's ready. You know, there's always some, some kind of a special offer. And, um, you know, th- that's the group of people that I communicate with first. So the that's most, the best yeah. place to find out when it's going to come out. Is to, is yeah. To and, join and, and I, I did right from the conference where I first met you in April, um, I did sign up when the book did become, because your, your book wasn't quite ready. April, it came out in May, if my memory serves, right? May it came out? Yeah, late May. Late yeah, May. late May. And we um, sent an email right from the place. You said, everybody, right now, and then you're in, and I'll let you know when the book is available if you're interested. And, of course, I did. And so I was one of the first to get the books and, and all of that. So, I, it, you know, you do deliver what you promise as well. So uh, also, once you do that, like I get little newsletters from you, which are just quick reads, but you, you stop and it gives you pause to say, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, I should be doing that. Or, so I love those newsletters newsletters as well. So I'm going to give your website, plus everybody, don't panic if you're in the car listening. I will put um, Cheryl's website on the web, the web talk radio platform under the show, and you can link in and just click on it. The back link will take you uh, to her website. It's www.ellisbusinessenterprises.com. 
So it's E-L-L-I-S, then business, B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S, and then enterprises, E-N-T-E-R-P-R-I-S-E-S, all lowercase, all in a row, no underscores or any of that. And again, I'll put that website um, so people could connect with you. But I think that's a great idea, and your newsletters really are helpful as well. It's a nice resource. Thank you, Connie. And you know what? I always like feedback on that stuff, too. If you have any ideas or anybody has any ideas on what they'd like to see more of or, or you know, have me, um, you know, share my experience with, I'm happy to do that because um, yeah. I'm always looking for, you know, I, I love to write and I love to write my newsletter and um, give some guidelines and, and helpful hints. Um, but I, but if somebody has a need, you know, I'd rather write about that than just what I think is uh, yeah. is important. Something something they're interested in. Sure, that's always helpful from a writing standpoint or a topic for the month, whatever it is. So yeah, um, yeah, please share that that feedback with Cheryl. She really does. I'm telling you, she delivers what she says. So I just I think that's great too, and that's why I'm a I'm a fan. Um, again, Cheryl, we're out of time, but thank you so, so much for being on again. Another great show. I hope that all of these nuggets of information, you know, people stop, listen again, take those notes, buy the book, all those things are work in progresses. And I, I just feel like the tools that you give and how you deliver them are just so succinct and clear for me anyway. I hope everybody listening feels that way as well. So um, you give us tools to work on, which I like. I'm, I'm all about the how-tos and how to execute because you want change. What, what do you want me to do? And I think you provide that. So thank you so much again for all of the uh, just clear insight you've given yet again. Much, much appreciated. Well, it's been uh, my pleasure as always, Connie. Our time goes by so quickly. Thank you. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Everyone, you've been listening to um, Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Um, again, I'll put Cheryl's email address so you can connect and buy the book and all that good stuff. Um, I want to thank you, and I want you to have a wonderful and inspired week. And really, my leaders out there, try to do something to create clarity so that you figure out what your end games, end games looks like and then go out and try to develop that skill. Everyone enjoy and have a great week. Thank you. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I...